Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Laura. We're longtime friends who know a good year at Real Talk can solve almost anything. And we're transferring our skills and experiences to our new coaching practice. Whether you're making a big decision, exploring a new path, planning a project, or you just want to learn how coaching might help you, join us for our conversations on Coaching Through It. I'm glad that we're coming back to podcasting, and I need to edit ours to know what we've talked about, but previous Laura, while taking notes in class, made notes of things you want to talk about. You're so good. Yeah, I know. You're so good. But I'm not that good because I forgot I was in 302 and it's two weeks in. Yeah, tell me about this. Two weeks in. So you missed the first two weeks? (laughs) In all fairness, September 3rd was a bit of a shit show. We just moved in. I actually would have gone to that one. I didn't have have internet or I just got internet by the time it started, so it's fine. Yeah. Last week, I didn't know until she sent What day of the week is it? It's a Thursday night. So now I'll play catch up and yeah, that's me. I'm going to be a better student. Anyways, there's two things I put on our list to talk about, and we could talk about them in shorty pods, or we could talk about one and not the other. Um, I circled things from like August 8, 8, 28, or 20th, sorry, I'm years, because I want to get to 2028. Empathy? For real. (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, empathy, empathize, um, facial expressions. Do we talk about that? Uh, we didn't talk about that yet. Okay. So what are you feeling? Okay. And then the other one I circled, uh, not needing to hear story. Oh yeah. Right. Like having that. Well, okay. Here's the other thing that we could talk about the empathy one and kind of build on it because, um, the other thing I was like debriefing with Matt a little bit yesterday Mm -hmm. because I was like, okay, so I've felt like kind of, I don't know if imposter syndrome is the right term, but like, I've just been really nervous about my ability as a coach because I have been like, how are you? I've been too wrapped up in trying to get progress. Right. And I don't think really leaning into letting the client lead. And I had a bit of a breakthrough um, yesterday when I asked that question. So we'd been talking about, uh, you know, we did a mini coaching practice without an agenda. We were practicing on a tool. So we like launched in as if the client had used the tool, our classmate had used the tool, uh, but we didn't set an agenda or do anything else. Right. So it was kind of like coaching raw coaching coaching with the wheels off the train wheels off. Woo. And that was really hard for some people. And I, I think agree with you. It was not super hard and we can explore that more in a minute. But what I did find challenging is that I was like, I would like to go somewhere, but this feels deeply personal and perhaps very emotional. And if it's not supposed to be therapy, how do, how do you navigate that? Right. So that was a question that I asked, like, what do you, what do you do if like, the next thing out of your mouth wants to be like, here's what I'm seeing, you know, like really deep, heavy topic. And that takes the client into a place that's like hard for them. That's funny that you, not funny, haha, but funny that you mentioned that peculiar because I think we talked about empathy and like this. So this, this topic came back in August when you noticed someone saying something like it's kind of like the things not said and we talked and I brought that up too. And I said, that's, and Katie Linder, our coach trainer said that's coaching presence. So recognizing um, where your clients at emotionally by things they've said or not said 
visual nonverbal cues and things they're alluding to, but don't want to deep dive into. And you're like, "Ah, let's go there. So how did that feel in your practice session then? Well, we didn't, I didn't go there. I I was like, this is, um, I think it felt like too much. And maybe that's where the empathy piece comes in. Like maybe this is where it's related in my mind, like being able to look at that person, that client and say like, this is, this is too deep right now. And, and I shouldn't wow. be making that decision. You've right? changed. Like, I, <laughs> you have. That's not the Julie Larson I know. I know. I know. And this is why I was feeling very frustrated because I was like, can I do this if I'm supposed to be in a place where we don't ask those questions? And then I think having that discussion at the end of class really got me in a space where it's like, it's not that we don't ask those questions, right? Because to your point, that is, those are, right? Like, the, I, those are my bread and butter, those kind of mm-hmm. questions, right? But you have to be willing to let the client lead you, whether or not it's to those or not to those, I guess. But I'm going to push back on that a bit and say, what do you think held you back from going there and asking that emotional question or space? Because you're right, it's not therapy, but if there is an emotion around a particular issue, a concept, a goal, or interest in your client, why wouldn't you dig into that? Like, what, what stopped you, do you think? I think I just felt like it was going to be um, deeply emotional and um, not something that the client was yet ready to um, rationalize is the word that's coming to mind, but I don't know if that's the right word, right? I think that we can engage in conversation with people and we can see that things are going to be emotional or deeply emotional, right? Like, so... um, uh, example. So my, I have a parent who has passed away, right? Laura knows this it happened many, many years ago. So like, I can kind of talk about it nonchalantly, but there's also times when that like surfaces and suddenly you, it becomes emotional. But most of the time people, when I'm talking to on, you can kind of see in that conversation that like, Oh, there's some emotion, but like, I'm also very able to like work through it quickly. Right. Because it has been something that I've happened many years ago and kind of worked on. So I think there's a different sort of emotional setting when it's a topic like that versus this felt to me and again I'm making assumptions but it felt like way too new way too raw like I felt like it would have just sort of derailed us um because I don't know that the client would have kind of worked through that space well I guess you make a good point because we only had 20 minutes to practice with each other so this is a scenario where we did um it's called a fishbowl so we'll talk a bit about that fishbowl is where you have we're in practice coaching sessions we're given 60 minutes and there was three of us in a breakout room and two people would be coaching. Uh, one would be a coachee, one would be the coach, and then someone would be watching. And we were limited to 20 minutes each just because that's the duration of the class, which you're right, maybe an emotional topic where you did feel like you want to empathize and go there. Um, you felt stagnated because of the time constriction. And I don't blame you for that. Do you think that might have been the reason or... Yeah, I think it was a bit of time and resistance from the client, right? Because even when we kind of were tiptoeing, it would be like a redirect, right? And so there was this recognition of like, if we're redirecting at like surface level of this topic, like we sure as hell are going to redirect if I try to dig a little deeper, right? Yeah, and I guess I like the phrasing of when we talked about this, um, 
you and I will talk with clients probably via the Zoom rooms and the online web conferencing platforms is probably what we'll do, whatever that looks like. And uh, we aren't sponsored by Zoom, but that's where people are at these days. And it's probably a safe space. And probably why you and I got into coaching now is it's needed. Um, and there's going to be a lot of emotions around things. And so I like the thing, the things that came up for me was that sounds like a lot are is this something we want to talk about right now? Or like th those kind of expressions or like just asking about what kind of emotions are arising because I think feelings bring people back to the therapy talk, right? So this is like, this brings me up to this time. But I think one of the sessions I had, we did talk about something in the past that was pretty raw and really not dealt with. Like someone had bundled emotions, put them away and they came up because they didn't have that person in their life to support them anymore. And that made something and um, emotions came out from the client, from me. And we talked about this in the last episode, I think. But I think, how can you do that in a space that's limited in time? Or something else is going to block you from going there, I guess, the, the client itself. Would you dig in more if you had more time, do you think? I think I would have. And I think also now with kind of the reframe, right? So I think Katie did a good job breaking down my question in the group that like, um, and there was an example that um, a, a cohort member gave of like, well, I could talk about like, I've had mental health, like challenges or experience with mental health around this. And I think it might be affecting this like issue that I want to be coached on or might be involved or connected to that issue, but that doesn't mean I need therapy around my mental health. And I was like, that's a very good example. Right. But it is kind of back to my early example about like owning and kind of knowing yourself and saying like, Hey, this might be influencing, but I'm not here to work on that. I'm here to work on this other piece. Right. And so I think my takeaway was like not being afraid to lean in and like, you can ask the hard questions, you know, like, it wasn't going to be, it's, it's one thing to be like, to your example and say, you know, something like, it seems like, you know, this is more challenging than you thought it would be, right? To like, enter into this phase in your life. And that is a very different question than like, what childhood trauma do you think might have caused, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's unpack that trunk full of memory, childhood memories, fears, anxieties. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't, I can say that we can't ignore a client's past and I will say that we'll pick up on and empathy also comes out in how you as a coach, like I've been, so we watch ourselves on these stupid screens now and we're doing this now as we record this podcast and like, you're going to look at expressions and, I was very cognizant of what expressions I was giving when I was coaching and when I was observing because they're going to pick up on nonverbal cues, tones, how you ask a question. Um, like, is there something behind that? What do you mean by that? Like, these are things that I think were in my head going, all right, how do I not be stoic and give some sort of emotion? Because <laughs> you should emote because that's who you are as a coach. That's a bit, I think that's a bit of style. Um, we've talked about previously, but how do you do that without going, <gasps> and like having like the scream look on your face. I don't know. That's kind of what I was thinking these days. I was like, do you think about that when you're coaching now or when you're talking to folks on camera or if you have to be on camera, I guess. Yeah, I did. I, because I, um, I, I do emote with my face, especially when I'm listening. Right. And I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, how do I, you know, I'm like nodding along and I was like, stop nodding, you know, like, <laughs> and then I have like one of my like listening faces is very like, I kind of purse my lips funny and I didn't realize that. And so I'm like, smile flat, you know, like smile. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? Pa- practice your best. And maybe this is uh, where we share, when we share this episode, we'll have our best stoic listening face. Mm. Right. Like, you know, like yeah. don't really smile because then they might wonder, but like, don't frown. Like, have your inquisitive face not look furrowed. Yes. Yeah. Or judgy. Like yeah. blank face, you know. <laughs> Going resting, through like no resting models. bitch face, no resting bitch face, like tongue to the roof of your mouth, like shoulders down, top model style, like mm. oh, that hey, actually co- works. Screenshot that, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. I should. Screen- I will screenshot that. I will say, <laughs> um, ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, I didn't know how to do it. Damn it! Technology's hard. Oh, okay. Um, I will say uh, something. This also got me thinking about, and we could probably segue into it, is around storytelling. Uh, I know you, you hate telling stories and all, so, um, <laughs> yeah. And so, not needing to hear the person's story, because what comes with emotions, or if you're going to empathize, is people relating it to something that happened in their life, and that means digging into the past, which is therapy, and we're talking about moving forward with coaching. So I heard, quote, not needing to hear story in podcasts is what I wrote down on the 22nd of August. And so, like, because people dwell on the story, their narratives of the past, and we hope that coaching rewrites their story forward. What are your thoughts on that one? That's a great question. And I... um I think I was struggling with this a bit because I have not done much practice coaching, right? Like you are already seeing some clients and working through that. And I am not doing that yet. I'm just trying to like get through the days I feel like, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, uh, I don't know because I'd like to say like, Oh, I could do this without story. Right. Like I could do this without, you know, uh, I, I think about it as like when you have a friend who like you also know their partner and you uh, listen to them talk about their partner and you empathize with your friend, right? Like you don't know, you don't need to know the story of the partner, if that makes sense, or like their version of that story or that situation, you like empathize with your friend, you know, and uh, maybe that's the same kind of approach, right? Because I, I would think if, if you're saying in coaching that like the client is the expert of their experience, then to your point, like, I don't need to know the story, right? I don't need to know all the pieces or the reasoning behind it or their questions because they're, I, I just take it at face value when they tell me this is what I want to work on or this is, these are my roadblocks, right? Or this is my, here's what it is. Um, it's interesting yeah. that you say that because um, you probably already know your friend's backstory. And I actually just took on a new client that I wouldn't say we're like, close but we're we know each other and I agree to it saying like listen the coaching is going to look a little different uh, she's had previous coaching with other people before and I said if it doesn't work out with me I've got loads of people in our cohort like you and others who need and want to have coaching practice hours and who'd be excellent and she actually gave me she started giving me backstory on something and I was like I was going to let her do a little of that and then she goes you don't need to know this like the client just said that you don't need to know I go but I, and I said what I do need to know is how how did that make you feel what emotions came up or in the moment and that helped me um cuz I think sometimes people reflecting on their story or an ex, an example um driving them to the what do they do or think or how do they behave in that moment gets them to recognize patterns. So sometimes 
that's where I don't, I don't know if I agree. Cause I was kind of like, I kind of need them to walk through that experience again, maybe not the full detail play by play, but I do need to know, could you put yourself in there right now and think about a time where you felt this way? Or do you remember the last time? Let's don't tell me about the experience. <laughs> I don't know if I've said that explicitly, but I said, let's just reflect on what did you do? What did you say? How did you feel? And what would you have liked to have done? And that actually helps someone a lot. And yeah. maybe it's not telling me their story, but thinking about that and putting that in back in that example or place, because as a researcher, I used to ask people for examples all the time. And as they talked out examples, they would talk out revelations of, I actually haven't thought about that in a while. And this made me think about this and I was in the right or wrong or whatever it is like that helps people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think to your point, I think it's different to say, how did you feel? Or there, was there another time that you felt this way? I, I think that is different than saying like, tell me every moment about why, about what made it happen to feel that, you know, like those are different mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. And, and I think you can move on. And so if you say like, well, what did you feel in that moment? And the client is like, I was frustrated okay, then I know, then I'm taking that. Right. And I don't need to know necessarily what made you frustrated at this point. Right. Like we don't need to dig deeper. I don't need to say like, yeah, wow. What did Julie do? You know, like to get you there. <laughs> that was, that's, and that's more information seeking for yourself. Right. Yeah. And so the client, yeah. so I like the idea of going, well, like, what emotions came up for you? Mm-hmm. Like instead of how did that make you feel? It's what emotions yeah. came up for you or what thoughts went through your head when that happened, I guess. Um, yeah, and I also think about, like, I don't know. I think um, people really hold on to some of those stories. So maybe that's why we're supposed to, like, quell that storytelling is because that that narrative loops and cycles. Like, here, I've been listening to a podcast on a side note, but this is actually kind of a good one, is what kind of um, – this is a good question that was asked on the Working Out podcast. Mike Berbiglia talks with different comedians, and um, he asks a whole bunch of variety of different comedians – what stories on a loop in your head from your childhood? And I was like, what stories on a loop in my head? And I was like, I'm just trying to think about that. Like, what do you think about every now and then and your in your own experience? Do you have one from your childhood? Huh. I mean, do I have one? <laughs> <laughs> one that you want to share and stands out, I guess you probably have many. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I have been thinking a lot about um I think with school starting right for the littles in my life um i i had to spend a summer um teaching my brother hooked on phonics do you remember this oh yes like yeah i don't know if that works i'm not here to comment on like that program if it was a good program or a bad program uh i also don't know that myself at the age of probably like 13 was necessarily equipped to be teaching that program (laughs) from what i know of you you might have been actually quite good right But, uh, it was, you know, it, yeah. So that's been, and I just remember like sitting in the hallway because he, my brother was like, not having it. He was like, not into it. And my other younger brother who, you know, was like, loved it. And so we'd have like, you know, the battle of the sessions, like teaching sessions is what you would do. Yeah. You had like little notebooks or like cards you had to go through. Um, I don't know. So I've been like thinking back on that time a lot lately it's not a very good story from my childhood I mean no that's fine there's there's weird ones on loops like I have one I was gonna give you my story teaching one myself I used to teach my dolls but I won't go with that one I have one on a loop that I've convinced 
um, my brother and sister do a lot of things. When I, I'm the oldest. I have two younger siblings and I, I, I should pay for their therapy, speaking of therapy or coaching, whatever they want to do. Um, but I think about the time when we convinced my brother, he should be a projectile object and we could like fly him off our legs into different areas of the downstairs because maybe I have a downstairs again. Um, and so basements aren't a thing in Texas, but they are in Washington. And, um, I laugh because I was like, you'll just bounce off those stairs and there's carpet that's somewhat padded there or you'll bounce onto the couch or hit the the staircase. Like, you know, when you walk up the stairs, there's like an angle on an older homes and basements. Oh, you'll hit that instead. So I just think about us launching him off our legs into areas. <laughs> this explains a lot of, uh, a lot of things that I need to reconsider now, but yeah, no, I, I, I was thinking about those loops and I wonder about our clients having, like weird stories and loops about, I don't know what they're afraid of or what their fear of working on next is and what they do in their head. If we, if we don't have them talk it out and ask them about those, I guess. I would take your hooked on phonics. (laughs) Well, and I think, I mean, it's an interesting point, right? Because even talking about like what's on, what's on loop for us right now is, I, I mean, I think that is very important to like what's influencing your, your thoughts and your moves and your, you know, like, uh, mental space, whatever you want to say. Um, and it, it may, and it is important, I think, to bring those into discussions, but I think as you've already called it out, the term that we've used in class is like information seeking for yourself. And so when does that line cross, right? When have you crossed the line from like, I'm helping a client kind of like navigate through their own story or like working them, making connections with things versus trying to just get the tea because you're curious, you know? Yeah, we don't need the, I was never a gossiper or getting the, the goods, <laughs> spill the tea. Um, but I do think it helps people put things in perspective if they do can look back. And we were asked that question, like, and this, I'll put this out to our listeners. The questions we were asked are, what were we doing three to five years ago that got us to where we are today? It was one of our course openers. And I was like, God, there's so much. That, in three to five years, so much has changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's been... Okay. Three to five months and so much has changed. So three to five months, so much has changed. It's true. It's very true. Do you know what we were laughing about today? Matt and I were. Um, is uh remember we went to dinner. So Laura was in Seattle briefly this winter. Yes. And uh Fierka had come to join her. And yeah. it was right when uh like COVID-19 was becoming a thing. And it was in the point of the time when, uh, before we knew really how serious it was, but like everybody was hating on folks of Asian descent, right? Mm -hmm. Or perceived Asian descent because, and they were like stereotyping everyone. And there was this big movement in Seattle to like go to the ID international district and like go out to dinner. And so myself and Laura and Fearcra and my partner, Matt, and like another couple friends, we all went out to dinner at this, like had dim sum at this Chinese place. And I was like, how funny is that now to think that we were like, not that long ago, having this restaurant moment and man, it's true. time has changed. Well, I have learned, which I, you've just reminded me, I should go support some of those dim sum restaurants. So most um, people who are Asian will know they can go ask for frozen dumplings and restaurants will sell those and that's helping float them out. So note to self, uh, invest in small business communities, especially if they're delicious dumplings that are to be sold and bought. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think getting perspective, the long and short views are kind of important. So maybe it's a story that kicks off. Like I still like, we listen to the coach to coach podcast and 
Katie Peplin in season one does a lot of stories or analogies and they work for her. And I know that she's not an ICF coach, but I think it still works for other people. Yeah. I will say I really, um, I did. And that's actually what I wrote about. We had to do an assignment. So I wrote about one of those episodes and, and I did talk about that and how, um, seeing that style kind of gave me some hope that there would be a way for me to create my own coaching presence, right. In my own coaching style. Like, and I, I am not metaphor driven like she is. Um, she's a very well, and that's not where I want to go necessarily, but like, okay, here's some other, it just felt like you didn't have to be so formal. I don't know if, if that's the right word, but yeah, there are some boundaries that we flex in um, International Coaching Federation has some kind of standards. And this is what, if you're working towards a certification in that specific coaching area, and there's loads of different courses and ways you get certified in coaching and those who aren't at all that say they're coaches. So I do think it was good that you're thinking about you know what I wrote after this storytelling. I was like, oh, this reminds me of like how to um, – tell a story, an actual written narrative story, which I took Margaret Atwood's course. I love Margaret Atwood. And also, because she begins with like the end in mind. And I was like, oh, backwards design, which is one of the tools I created, which I use at, we use at work all the time right now. So like, yeah, let's work right. it back, uh, working, working backwards doc. And they also use for learning is, what do you want the desired outcomes to be? And what would that look like for that client? I was like, oh, I do want them to have their future story told. And so how do you, like, you put the ending there on the story first or the desired outcomes on a course or the product that you want to see later on for your customers. Um, and then you work it back. And I was like, yeah, there's room for story and coaching. I'm, I'm not opposed to. Yeah. I hear you. Coaching uh, with storytelling and empathy is important. And I guess it looks different from what we're used to from like advising or, um, if you've been to therapy or, you know, like it just, it's just a different kind of, um, different thing. It's positioned differently. I do. You know, it, it is interesting when you think about advising too, I was trying to, uh, kind of like critique my own performance from our little 20 minute session. And I became very focused on making sure that there was progress. Right. So I was the third person to go in my group and both um, one for sure. And the other one sort of has a very like, like uh, rigid, not rigid, but like Steps. almost mechanized kind of style, like really was the like going through very direct, very like, how does this connect to this? So what can you do? What can you do from that to apply it to this? Right? Like it was, um, and that would not be my style. Right? I mean, as, as we've hinted and joked about, like, I like stories. I think I can ask deep questions once I have relationship built with people. Right. Um, and I was trying to mimic them. Right. I was trying a lot to say like, okay, how do I make sure that they have a step? How do I make sure that they have a takeaway? Um, because I think sometimes in like real conversations, there's no takeaway, but that's not a, it's a conversation. It's not a coaching session. Right. So that's my hurdle. I think I'm trying to figure out like, how do I authentically have a conversation, but then also make sure that there's a way to get to a plan. Yeah, and I think, actually, it's interesting you said that. I went middle in my fishbowl in the group of three, and I had actually coached both people in my fishbowl before. Those two were new to each other. And so I knew a little bit about the issues we were going to coach around. And uh, so I was, I was complimented saying I artistically brought things to this. And I was like, yeah, it's because I already heard this person's backstory. And so I, um, I did move, like, our conversation to, like, 
not an end result, but something for the person to think on and reflect on. And so I really enjoyed it. Like we talked about using, this was kind of a, it's called nimble coaching, um, meaning you just listen. There is no agenda. Normally you could set a coaching agenda. Like we talked about, this is just going for it. I liked it because it's kind of like improv coaching and that's where I thrive. And I think I can listen really well and ask questions better if I'm not concerned about it a time or a focus. The focus is good to have that for the agenda, but I actually enjoyed that a lot more. And I didn't find it, like you said, uncomfortable or weird. Uh, there's only there's only probably like two or three of us in our course that did feel that way. And um, and maybe it's because, yeah, like you said, it's, it's similar to conversations and listen. It helps people to know that you're listening to them more and you're addressing the thing in the moment instead of going back to the goal or agenda of the session. That's what worries me is I don't want to lose that nimbleness and agile, like, like agile coaching. It's figuring out the need and maybe it's a different goal that they originally set and checking in with them and saying, it sounds like you want to talk about this and this was your original goal. Should we pivot or should we like, that might be a question I ask. I don't know. Maybe it's to your point, um, checking in with the client and saying, did we let them derail it for fun? Cause they wanted to talk out loud about this or is there something to that we should actually talk about instead of the original goal? Because um, I trust the client, but the client might open up more if you're just listening and kind of asking what they're talking about instead of asking about the agenda issue. Yeah. Well, and I think too, and I and maybe this comes from working with college students for so long that I, I think sometimes people don't know what their real agenda is, right? Like I think of all the Forget college students, like, uh, adults right. in general these days. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, maybe I'm kind of uh, like still living in that space of like a lot of times they'd come in and, and, you know, say that they have an academic trouble or an academic question and there's a whole other story going on that we need to I just need about. to pick a class. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Now here's your 30 minute sob fest about your, your unrealistic parental expectations for your medical career, you know, like... <laughs> it's true and and so uh how much of and I I think I'm wondering and maybe that's why the agenda feels restrictive because it I understand it becomes like a contract I think Katie's even used that term like a contract between the client and the and the coach for that session but uh what if that isn't you know how and we talk about going from the agenda or checking in like you've already said and hey do you still want to go this way or I see we're moving away from the agenda but like how do we make sure that that's the best for the client or what they need. And I guess you just have to trust them. I don't know. This is a lot for me to like wrap my head around. Yeah. I think the last client I had, this, this came up is we totally divulged from something they wanted to talk about was like career future self like, and moving on or moving beyond the role or org they're in. And then in in conversing about what the issue was, it was actually about how do I best, like I call it care fronting, confront this issue with my supervisor and say, that's not okay because that's not a performance thing. That's something that shot my confidence down and I don't participate anymore. So it was interesting that we did say, I'll go back to this agenda point, but it sounds like you really want to talk about your next conversations with your supervisor and, and voicing what you do is like, there's a lack of you contributing now because you were shut down in a performance evaluation. So could you change that instead of saying, I need to escape? <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, I, I think it's, I think it's okay to move it. Um, and really, 
I worry about what you said, Julie, is people think about mechanisms or let's follow this agenda or step-by-step. Because I worry that I was in a session, I worry about being listened to. Um, That's a big concern with following this kind of like, here, I'm going to give you this guideline and these examples. And those have been great from Katie, but I worry about actually listening to the person a lot. Because I, there's something I said in my, and even my, I actually had an emotional reaction to like something's kind of ridiculous, but true. Like my online community of friends who I don't talk to. And I was like, no one asked me about that. Like that was not addressed. And I was like, I want to ask like, why am I, why is she starting to well up about her online friends? <laughs> like, um, because I think it's safer to stick to an agenda and yeah, I'd, I'd love for someone to dive in deep. So one day, I hope we're paired, Katie. You hear this? You hear this podcast? Yeah. Pair Julie and I, because she'll fucking get to the grit of shit. So. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, to your point, and I, we, I don't want to keep us here forever, but I do think, too, how much of sticking to an agenda facilitates the coach trying to think ahead, right? So something I noticed as an observer for one of my cohort mates was like, wow, this feels very much like an approach they would take to this right? And they are trying to drive towards action because it was action that was requested, but is this the action, right? Like, are you going too far down a road? And the client was like, yeah, sure. Like, okay, yeah, I could do that. But there wasn't a lot of like, from my perspective, like kind of interaction or passion behind the suggestions. It was like, yeah, sure. I could do that. Okay. You know, and, and, but it very much was like driving to that agenda. So to what you're saying, you know, how much is that creating some barriers that don't need to be, or not barriers, like the bowling lanes, the bumper bowling. You think we'll, we'll get into some real talk with our coaching cohort to say, I noticed that you did it. Like, and we did between our sessions. So we almost ran out of time. So Katie gave us five extra minutes, but we kind of gave feedback on how it felt as the coachee, the watcher and the coach. And I do think it, Honestly, I would think it would help to get some critique along the way. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll never be paired together, Julie, because that's they want us to give examples to other people. I know. I was like, we shouldn't have said something, huh? No, but I think it's also good that you and I are probably more similar in how we coach. And so other people need to see that. So yeah. um, my challenge for you in your next practice session, whatever that may be, is, I don't know, don't be afraid to go there. I think it's okay to open up people's emotions. Even if it's only going to be 10 to 15 minutes, you'd be surprised what you unpack. It's scary and it's good and it's emotional for everyone. Um, but people need to see, I think people need to see and experience that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think too, I also uh, kind of re-looked at the powerful questions format and I was getting hung up on asking like a powerful question as it was written in the manual, which is like not what we need to do. <laughs> You said the word written, so that just says I know, <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, instead of just kind of, I don't know. I I've, I I think I'm expecting this to be newer than it really is. You know, you and I have had a lot of experience professionally in very similar situations, and I think I was like negating how similar and trying to make myself approach this totally differently, and it's causing more mental like stress over it. Where it's like, I know how to ask a powerful question, like an open-ended what, how question. Sure. But instead I find myself like flipping through FYI. It's like, for those listening, it's probably what 12 pages of questions in this manual, maybe even more. So you're like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, uh," You know, and it's like, just ask the question. Like, who cares? 
Do you think, do you think now that you've said that out loud, do you think you'll change asking your questions moving forward? I think I will. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I think to your point, like I do feel confident in my listening skills. I do feel confident in like kind of the ability to connect in an empathetic way. And so, and it's practice. So if I continue to use the word feelings for a couple more weeks before I mentally <laughs> make that switch to emotions, I'm like, whatever. But like, you know. Just say what's uh, coming up for you. Yeah. Right. It could be thoughts as well. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's right. uh, I think it's an ongoing process and it's, it's something that we'll talk about in maybe a future episode. We haven't been doing any recording yet other than us. And you and I have asked each other questions in our haphazardly in our podcast, but um, our future things that we'll talk about maybe is recording and listening to yourself and going, gah, why did I sound bad? So we'll do that one later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So listening to ourselves, I think deconstructing, uh, and maybe this is something you and I can do as a fun podcast is we each listen to like each other's recording and, and give feedback. Would you be open to that? Ooh, I would totally be open to that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because I think you and I, I don't know what, the, we're supposed to record something for our instructor. And then I think we'll get good feedback from Katie. But I also know that you and I might get real and go, you said this. I took note on page 30. Da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> I Just like kidding. it. Cool. <laughs> Till next time, Julia. Here's, here's to coaching through it. Here's to coaching through it. Be sure to listen to the next episode by subscribing to our podcast. We always welcome comments and questions. Send us an email at coachingthroughit at gmail.com. Until then, we'll be figuring it out on Coaching Through It.